In this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. Nehemiah 13. Now, I'm, I'm just going to pray before I really start digging into Nehemiah 13, because this is a big chapter. Um, it, for me, again, so like this series is, you know, part of our perspective series, because this is my view of what God's speaking to me about as I go through Nehemiah, but this is not a definitive, you know, account of everything that's in Nehemiah by any stretch of the imagination. But Nehemiah 13 talks all around compromise and specifically about Christians living lives of no compromise. But I've been very uh, alert to the fact of nuance. Like it, it will be incredibly easy <laughs> for anyone if they wanted to, to, um, to take out of context what it is I'm trying to say, or for me just to get it wrong and 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 put the emphasis slightly somewhere different that, that leads someone astray. So um, I'm just going to pray. I don't want to make any broad generalizations. Um, I'm very happy to be misunderstood. <laughs> um, I'd be in good company in the Bible if I'm misunderstood. But I th think the simple fact is we are, are much more likely to compromise what God says than to live with too much integrity. And so let me just pray, Father God, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I just ask, would you help my words to be well measured as we go through this chapter? Lord God, would you help our ears to be well measured in hearing what it is that you're speaking about? Now, the reason I, I, I start there is that broad brush, Nehemiah has gone away from, um, you know, the, the Jerusalem people and he comes back and he basically discovers they've compromised on loads of different fronts. And so the, the first front is that there's been compromise in the church. And so you see Nehemiah 13, chapter, uh, verses 1 to 13 is all about compromising the church, the house of God. You see verses 15 to 22, it's compromises they've made around sort of Sabbath, rest, business, work. And then the final set of compromises that they've made um, would be around verses 23 um, to 28, which is all around compromises within the home and within the family life. So, you know, these are three big areas to, to teach into in a short period of time, and it would be very easy to be misunderstood. But let's look first. Chapter uh, 13, verses 1 to 13, is all around compromise um, in, in the church, in the house of God. Now, the, the Nehemiah's gone away, and, and the short version of it is um, God has told them to separate themselves from the Ammonites and the Moabites, to live as separate, consecrated people of God. And we, we learn in these first 30 verses about Eliashib, who's a priest, and he has given um, a, a, an Ammonite, Tobiah, so one of the people that God has told them to live apart from. Um, this priest of God has given um, Tobiah a storage room for the stuff that he's not got space for in his house in one of the storage rooms in the in the house of God in the church. Now, just to be really clear, Tobiah is the same guy we, we read about in Nehemiah 2 verse 10. He's the, the guy who's disturbed by the fact that someone's interested in the welfare of the Israelites. He's also the same guy that's in Nehemiah 6 verses 17 to 19 who's writing letters to try and intimidate um, Nehemiah to try and basically get him away and do him harm. So, you know, he is not a guy that is for the people of God. And Eliashib has given him a room to store his stuff in. 
And the room he's given him is one that was meant to store resources for the musicians, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers. And Nehemiah also discovers that the, the resources that were meant to be given to these people to help them do the work that God had called them to have not been getting given to them. And so because they're not being cared for, the Levites, the musicians, they, they've had to kind of look after themselves because they're not being cared for in the way that God has prescribed. And so they've gone back to their own fields so that they don't starve. They've had to go and care for their families because they're not being cared for. And again, if we remember just in um, Nehemiah 12, the importance of the role of um, musicians as one example for healing God, for spiritual warfare and battle for the people of God. And so what's the, the, the so what from those verses 1 to 13? Well, I think that for me, the key thing is letting someone else's excess baggage compromise the function or the role of the church. So what's happening is, you know, basically this guy who's not for the people of God has got excess stuff. You need somewhere to store it. And because of his excess baggage, there's compromise in the role and the functions of church. So um, interestingly, also, Nehemiah starts with this. Like his starting point for what has gone wrong is in the church, not to do with individuals or families like he gets there. But this is where it starts. There's something interesting for me around this is where things can flow from, where we get compromises wrong in the church. So what might this look like for us now if we're, we're wanting to learn the lessons of Nehemiah 13? Well, compromise of the core tenets of the faith because of pressure from the world. Compromising what God has said and declared to be true because we're under pressure from the world. Or, I was going to say even worse, I don't know if that's true, but or just because of pressure from people within this church. You know, there's this, there's this um, lie that says we love people by accepting their views of how the world should be. That's not love. We show love to people by declaring the truth of what God has said is best for us. That's how we love people best. Of course, that doesn't mean we are we are adversarial, you know, combative with people. But did you say, oh no, we show people love by just accepting their view of the world's right? No, no, no. That is, that is not love. Love is declaring the truth of what God has said to be true, and aligning ourselves with what God has said. We are His people, made in His image. You know, compromise in church could be around thinking of actually like we are, people come to church to be entertained and we need sort of TED-style talks of, you know, these kind of short, snappy things. No, 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 that's maybe going to compromise our preaching and declaring truth about who God is. Maybe, maybe compromise in the church comes in the form of worrying more about entertaining Christians on a Sunday to, to make them come back, to build up pews, you know, to kind of make them enjoy themselves. So, they, no, no, no. We want to be entrained. We want to fall in line with God's ways of behaving and thinking and speaking and acting. Maybe it's around worship in church becoming more about performance, concert mentality. Nehemiah 13 verses 1 to 13 warns us about compromise in church will lead to us straying away from what God has called us to do. It will lead the, the roles and the functions of the, the very heart of what church is meant to be will be eroded and, and weakened and powerless if we choose to stray from what God has declared his church is meant to be. 
Now, the second thing um, of the area of compromise that Nehemiah talks about in chapter 13 is around Sabbath or kind of rest um, and business and work. And so what you see is the, the people have started to work on the Sabbath and they've started to sell goods around Jerusalem. Now, there, there's not the full space now. Loads of good books and resources and talks around the idea of Sabbath or rest. being It's not just like having a Sunday off. They're, 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 when, when Jesus talks, when the Bible talks about Sabbath and rest, there, there's much more depth and breadth than just saying, you know, take a Sunday, you know, as a rest day. But the focus here, Nehemiah 13, as I see it, is the pursuit of more. They're, you know, they're, they're pursuing and they're wanting more money, wealth, success, you know, overconsumption, excess. It's pursuing the more of those things, which leads to the pursuit of God less. So this is not the, the the whole view of what the Bible says about Sabbath and rest, but it's what I see here in Nehemiah 13, is the pursuit of more of these things leads to a pursuit less of God. See, the heart of Sabbath is rest, trusting God, trusting that he will provide for his people for their needs, trusting his wisdom in how to live. So what might this uh, look like for us? Well, it's the obvious thing like overworking, constantly chasing after more money, more hours, higher salaries, better homes, better holidays, you know, pursuing a better house and therefore I need them tied to this job and I need to work more hours, you know, this then thing becomes an idol. There's definitely, it's the obvious application or, or thing we need to be alert to. Again, I'm not saying that money or work or, you know, like having a nice home, none of those things are are wrong in themselves. It's the heart behind it that sometimes these things and the pursuit of these things more means we pursue God less. And that can then lead us to be too busy not you know to pray. No, no desire or time or energy left to read the Bible. Too busy to sit and listen to God because I've got all this stuff that I need to do. You know, if I if I just sit and gorge on sugar, fruit will become less tasty. It won't quite hit the mark for me. It's not that um that 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 fruit's bad, but you know, like I just if I if I gorge on sugar, fruit will taste less good to me. If I gorge on the thinking and the views of the world and pursuing the things the world says are important, then God becomes less appealing. He tastes less sweet and good to me. It doesn't have that it's not because he's not good. It's not because the fruit's not good for me. It's because I'm gorging on the wrong stuff. It's dulling my taste for the things that are good for me. I've found in my um, in my own life those moments where I need a immediate, you know, like I need to have a whiskey at night to calm down, or I'm I just I'm so tired and stressed. I need to watch TV just to. Re Actually, I, I I personally find in those moments when I'm desperately needing immediate rest, it's often the results of me pursuing things that aren't necessarily good for me, being full on with those things as opposed to pursuing the things of God. I find it's, you know, this sort of Sabbath rest, this pursuit of more, it can be around being just too busy to see the person in front of you. You know, I'm too busy to spend time listening to them, you know, and, and it's this, there's this pursuit of more that starts to encroach on family life. And, you know, some of these things can be good. Oh, you know, like I'm pursuing, you know, do work at my church or doing things. Actually, some of those things we we say, these are, you know, I'm pursuing these good things, but actually we're sometimes pursuing those things for the wrong motives and it causes us to lose um, rest and health and, and wellness. 
So it's the second um, kind of compromise that, that Nehemiah picks up on the people. And that's some of the things that I, I again, yeah, I just, I know in my own life I need to keep an eye on. And then you get verses 23 to 28, where Nehemiah is talking about their compromise with regards to home and family. So again, we've seen already that part of the instructions was for them to live separate to the Ammonites and the Moabites. And what you then see in, in chapter 13 is they've started marrying people of the other nations, started giving their sons and daughters into marriage. Um, and actually you see that specifically, like, you know, one of the, the sons of Judiah, one of the high priest's sons, was um, was married to Sanballat Honrite's um, daughter. Now that's the other bad guy from Nehemiah 2.10. And the priest's son is now basically kind of married into that family. Again, it's compromise of home and family to the world around us. So again, what might this look like? Well, undoubtedly it echoes some of the other teaching in the Bible about just the, the caution about marrying someone who is not a Christian. Now, again, there's, you know, it's not as simple as that. You know, basically the Bible also talks very clearly about, you know, if you're married to someone who's not a Christian, actually you're, you know, there's honour in that and you're able to love and, you know, like that's part of God's plans. But there's, if you're not married, if you're thinking about dating people or things like that, there, there's real caution around the compromise that can happen by marrying someone or dating someone who has fundamentally different views about God to who you are. The interesting thing as well for me is it talks about, um, it says half their children spoke other languages. You know, basically they're not speaking the words of God. And again, the question for me when I read this is, are my children better versed in the language of the world than the word of God? You know, in my home, am I training up my children in the ways of God? Or am I allowing my home life to be diluted with the values of the world? Now, again, you know, you can take that out of context and say, you know, we're, you know, we're I'm suggesting we live in particular. No, 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 I'm, I'm just suggesting we make sure that in our homes, there's not compromise. We are aligned with the word of God. You see, the priests and Levites not honouring the roles in the church. Well, am I operating, are my family in my home, in my own personal life, am I operating with the values of God or the world? Am I living with a view of who I am before God? Or am I more concerned about living with a view of who I am in the world and how the people see me? To the last section of Nehemiah 13, um, Nehemiah separates himself from the people. He says, God, I've basically, I've done what you've asked of me. Remember that. And everything else, God, is it's on you. See, Nehemiah ends with this lesson that you and I are called to live life with no compromise. You and I have personal accountability before God. It's how Nehemiah is in. He says, God, I have a responsibility before you. Everything else, God, is in your hands. See, you and I are called to follow God and no other person. And so the question I, I get left with in my, my mouth as I read Nehemiah 13 is, am I following Jesus or following something else? And again, as I've said before, I think we are at more risk of living with compromise and, you know, kind of basically living with a version of God rather than the truth of what it is that he says. So my question to you is, again, that's not um, a complete review of Nehemiah 13 and I don't have time to to go into some of the details around compromising church or personal life or home and family 
But what is God speaking to you about you now? What is God speaking to you about now? So you are uniquely made in the image of God. Tobiah and Sanballat, they, they are enemies throughout Nehemiah. What do they do? Well, they start by trying to oppose the people doing what God has called them to do. And they continue by trying to um, intimidate Nehemiah to stop him doing what God has called him to do. And then they actually succeed by causing the people of God to compromise themselves. And it means that the people in Nehemiah, they're basically missing out on the fullness of what God has for them, what God had fought and won for them. You are uniquely made in the image of God with unique purpose. You are uniquely needed in the work that God is doing. But you need to know that you constantly have an enemy that is trying to oppose you, that is trying to intimidate you, and ultimately trying to get you to compromise on, on being all that you are made to be and doing all that God has called you to do. And so this is why the, the messages through the whole of Nehemiah are fundamentally important for us. We're to live with a surrounding God. We're not to compromise on what God is saying. We're, we're to use weapons of music and prayer and worship. We're meant to work in families and in community with other people. We're, we're meant to be committed to the work that God's called us to do. We're meant to be listening more to who God says we are and understanding our identity and our, our purpose and our calling in Christ. And we see that when people live like that in Nehemiah, man, the world notices. Because we saw through the book of Nehemiah, they were able to do something that with all the time, resource and people in the world, they could not have done without God. The matter of God changes things. And so this is the, the message for us as we come to the end of this series looking through the book of Nehemiah. What you can do with God, what you can do together is incredible and will cause the world to notice God through you, but they will notice God. They will be amazed at what God is doing. And and the the series, the sort of the series, this whole set of talks is called uniquely needed because it is true. You are uniquely needed. What's that verse? You know, basically, apart from God, I can do nothing. He is the vine, I am the branch. I separate from him, I can do nothing. But if I am in Christ, doing what I am uniquely made to do, then the world will change for the better. Remember what we said, God is coming again soon. There's a specific point in history where God will return. You have God. The world needs God. And he will come back soon. The time is short. And so, Jesus, I want to end the series just with a prayer. Holy Spirit, all of us want to live in the fullness of what you've called us to live, with the purpose and identity that you have given us. But, Lord, we, we are aware that we have a, a, an enemy that wants to oppose us, to intimidate us, and to make us compromise on the fullness of what it is that you've called us to do and how you've called us to live. So again, Father God, I, it's a very, the, the, the kind of this series I give to you, these 13 talks, it's a very small view, a small kind of lens on which the book of Nehemiah can be looked at. But just like the kid with his loaves and fishes, Father God, I give this series to you. 
And Lord God, I ask that you would cause many people to be fed by it and many lives to be changed. And those of us that are hearing these words now, would you call us and release us into a fullness of living with God that we have never experienced before? Amen.